from the New Testament on this first Sunday in Lent. Brothers and sisters, we're going to read Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, the Song of Mary, or the Magnificat. <clears throat> Listen for God's word for us today. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from the thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promises he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy God, make us excited about your work, your word again. Show us your power. Let your word leap in us and bring to our yearning the joy that comes with new beginnings and renewed lives. Amen. Lifting up the lowly, our first Sunday topic in the book that we discussed during our Lenten study groups. And a difficult topic, brothers and sisters, to preach here at Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church. You see, I'm, I'm torn between the reality of God, God who lifts up the lowly, and the reality that we as me, people living here in Mount Pleasant Members of Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church don't really see us, see ourselves as the lowly. Well, maybe we have experienced being low somewhere in our lifetime because of circumstances. Or maybe we have felt humiliated by someone calling us names. Here in the Magnificat, Mary is not referring to this temporary feelings or an experience of being down and humiliated. And neither does she refer to the good qualities of being humble and ordinary and modest and meek, the things which Jesus called blessed in the Beatitudes. But when she talks about the lowly, she's referring to, to the people who were oppressed, People who experience control by those who are in positions of power. People who experience that they were powerless to do anything about the fact that they are being stepped upon. Now Hamilton in his book on Luke, Jesus and the Outsiders, Outcasts and Outlaws, which is the book that we use as guide to our Lenten group studies, discusses how we can look down on the elderly. You know, the old guard. Grandpa at the stoplight that cannot get his car going. 
and the young adults and the parents, the consumers of our church resources who contribute nothing but, and also some other instances of how we degrade and humiliate people. Older adults and young people and children, I don't think that these were the people that Luke had in mind when his whole gospel was written to the lowly. I think his message goes much wider. Goes to the people of the land, the Israelites, the commoners, the people who were always at the bottom of society's ladder. People who were not recognized by the oppressors and who had no means to fight for recognition. Not even a democracy. Luke's gospel, brothers and sisters, is good news for the underdogs of society. They were more than people who were simply ignored or insulted or being looked down upon. They were people stepped on by high and mighty people, by the important and the rich of those days. And above, uh, on top of all that, they were powerless in the face of political powers. People who were struggling with mental illnesses, with physical illnesses. They struggled to make a living. They were the poor. And on top of that, they were uneducated people. And often they struggled to even pretend that they were religious. They didn't try to pretend even that they observed religious laws and rules which were laid heavy upon them. In Luke, brothers and sisters, the lowly are those people. People from the wrong side of town and the wrong side of life. I was thinking about a word to use that would describe this sufficiently. But I don't think there's a word I can use safely. At least not here from the pulpit. Any derogatory, insulting humiliating, offensive word used with an intonation that indicates disgust will be the right word. We get it, don't we? These were the people, Luke tells us, for whom Jesus came. At a place Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And Jesus came for the sick. For sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and shepherds, the dregs of society, came for widows and children and demon-possessed and the blind, and the list goes on and on and on. People who often disgust us because Jesus saw the needs of those at the bottom ring of the ladder, saw the needs of those on the fringes of society, saw that indeed they need to be recognized as human too. And so he lifts them up and gives them hope and better possibilities. Those who were trampled upon and, and humiliated. Those people we refer to in derogatory ways, insulting words and inflections in our voice. He lifts up the lowly. And suddenly I wonder again, what am I doing trying to preach to you about this? I'm afraid, brothers and sisters, when something like this comes our way, that we fail to hear good news in this. 
Sometimes I suspect that we here at Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church are riding the wave of good fortune and self-confidence. Being strong and self-sufficient, needing nothing from nobody. We as church being the image of success and achievement. Because we need so little, the bulk of the message of the gospel passes us by. I think the question remains, how does God lift up the lowly? What does it mean to be lifted up? And Hamilton points out that God often uses people among us that we look down upon in the story of redemption. Somehow this lifting up seems to me to be just an eschatological promise. Eschatological in the sense of a pie in the sky when we die. We will all go to heaven one day, but we don't experience anything of that yet. Somehow it seems to be this promise, something that will come one day when God will turn the tables. You know, a few Sundays ago we passed at the Beatitudes and heard that the blessings of the kingdom of God is in the fact that we know that we are indeed citizens of God's kingdom. Not by the way that we do or anything that we did, but because God has promised this to us in Jesus Christ. That we are indeed citizens of the kingdom of God who one day will experience in fullness what it means. Because God's reign, brothers and sisters, is present now like when we worship together. It's present, but it's not yet present. We are looking forward to God being king in everything. We pray for that in our prayers. Because it still has to come. And it is still in the making. But this is the story of the gospel. The good news. The story of how Jesus got involved in the lives of the lowly. In more than mere words. And so we read in the stories, the gospels, how we healed the uncurable, how we exercised demons and fed the hungry and spent time with rejected women and men and welcomed children and proclaimed that the kingdom of God has come near. Story of Jesus tells us how we recognize the most despised people in society and those not as much despised before we start to think this isn't meant for us. Jesus never thinks in terms of they and them. Every time we say they, Jesus is on the other side. But the story of the gospel, brothers and sisters, tells us how Jesus recognized both the despised people of society and those not as much despised, those on the top of power and privilege but how he finally died on the cross to prove how much he cares for each one of us. And this is the story of how he lifted up the lowly, how he lifted up even us who are not always all that lowly. And what if we don't see ourselves as the lowly who needs any picking up, lifting up? You see, God's work of lifting up the lowly continues. Maybe we lift up the lowly if we take a brown bag and put food in it and give it to those who are less privileged. 
Maybe I think we, we lift up the lowly when we take a rake and we clean their yards because they cannot to prove that God even loves them in us cleaning their yards. Maybe we become magnifying glasses who magnify God's good work in our lives by handing out and sharing and telling the story of our faith and living the story of our faith. The story that God continues this lifting up of the lowly by those who have been lifted up. By us. Those who do not need any lifting up or any restoring People who have accepted the call of Jesus to be disciples of the Christ. Those people are us. People who proudly carry the name of Christian. People who are by virtue of being called by Jesus, disciples of the living Christ. In the past week, my colleague Dan and I had a discussion on discipleship. Discipleship, brothers and sisters, which is not volunteers. A disciple cannot bow out when we think we are too old or too young or too tired or too busy with our own lives. Or who can say that the lowly is not our business because they do not live in the old village. God's hand is upon us. God's spirit lives in us and through us to do the lifting up of those who are lowly. And the more and the better we manage to lift up the lowly, the more the body of Christ and God's presence in this world becomes a reality that can be seen and experienced by people, by all people. Lifting up like the reign of God is one of God's works that is not completed. And often it's so difficult to see because it takes a keen eye, enlightened by faith, enlightened by the Spirit, to see and experience God at work in and among us. Like God's reign, brothers and sisters, we sometimes experience it. But because it's not completely present, it remains a promise for the future when Christ will be all in all. And we, we as disciples, in the meantime, we are called to lift up and to recognize and to honor and to be present among the lowly because that is what Jesus has called us to do as disciples. Amen.